Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, technical editor here at BikeRadar.com. Joining me today, we've got two esteemed guests. In the left corner, we have Alex Evans. He is uh, one of Bike Radar's other technical editors. How's it going, Al? I'm very good, Tom. Uh, looking forward to discussing an incredibly interesting topic today. <laughs> oh, today? <laughs> I thought that was the one after this one. Um, <laughs> in the other corner, we have Will Soff. He is uh, MBUK's latest recruit. How's it going, Will? Oh, very well, thank you. Yeah, it's my first day uh, in, in the MBUK bike radar offices, uh, COVID safe. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's cool. I'm uh, getting my feet more and more under the desk, and this time literally. Excellent. Well, um, myself and Will are in Bristol. We're in separate rooms because COVID, um, but we're actually <laughs> we're waving to each other through a little internal window. Um, but Al is beamed all the way up from Peebles in Scotland. How's it all up there? Is, is, it, is it sunny up there? Is it raining up there? What's going on? Uh, well, apparently it never rains in Scotland. <laughs> um, so it's absolutely beautiful. And it has been absolutely beautiful for months now. Lovely. I don't know what's happened. Um, the trails are dusty. Everyone is happy, and there are so many high fives. I've run out of hand sanitizer. Wow, wow! COVID safe high fives with your elbows. Yes, high fives with your with your elbow slash fist bump. I think maybe fist bumps are okay now, Co- or at least they well, were at the G seven summit. COVID famously can't travel between fists and elbows, so um, yes. we're all good on that. Yes. <laughs> um, Brilliant. One of the um, casualties of COVID. Um, on a very insignificant front, but um, obviously to, to cyclists, has been competitions. Races um, have struggled. We have now got um, a lot of road racing going on, and the World Cup um, cross-country downhill and the EWS are back on our screens, which is amazing. But last year wasn't a um, wasn't a great year for mountain bike racing. But we thought between us, we've all done a fair bit of mountain bike racing in our time. Two of us out of the three to very high levels. One of us, i.e. myself, to very mediocre levels. Um, but we thought we'd, we'd chat racing because um, it's something that we've all enjoyed doing. We thought we'd go through some of the wacky races that we've done over the past 15, 20 years of mountain biking between us. Is that fair? Is that a good assessment of what we're going yeah, to talk about? I, I think so, yeah. Dick, Dick Dastardly's definitely been out there with <laughs> Muttley, um, kind of uh, bonking each other on the heads with mallets. Like, the what were those two, the two guys in the one car and they hit each <laughs> other on the heads to propel themselves forward? Um, no idea. Just, just like mountain bike racing. Just like mountain bike racing. Excellent. Um, yeah, absolutely. Wacky races. Yeah, completely. Have you done, um, what, what, let's... Um, I know that you guys have both raced downhill to fairly, um, both fairly fast downhill. Um, Al, what's oh, um, what's you. been your the pinnacle of your downhill career? Well, um, well the, the pinnacle of my downhill career was the day that I quit racing in <laughs> 2012. Um, I think that was a peak for me. Um, but that's, that's actually, not, the pinnacle's maybe not one of the ones that I wanted to talk about. Mm. It was more... Um, this really interesting event that I can't quite place the year. I think it was maybe like 2014, 15 um, at a UK national venue called Mulfra Hall in mid Wales. Mm. And basically it's an open hillside, um, kind of a, a really fast downhill track through bracken and ferns um, with flat out, flat corners, kind of very reminiscent of old school, old school downhill tracks. 
And uh, I can't remember why or what happened exactly, but one year they decided to run it as a four-man eliminator downhill event, a bit like what? a four-cross race, basically. Oh, wow. That sounds terrifying on that track. <laughs> so it, it, like, this is the kind of track that you sort of reach quite comfortably 50 kilometers an hour. Um, and, and what they basically did is they take the track down this open hillside and then they intersperse the flat open sections with, you know, like double lane burns, two jumps, um, you know, you name it, drop offs, the whole thing. And um, it's probably one of the most bonkers races I have ever done in my life. So, you know, usually a downhill track's pretty gnarly on its own when you're just racing the clock because you're not racing other people, you're racing the clock, very important. Um, but when you add in three other kind of red-blooded, um, highly competitive athletes to your side um, of any age category as well, because that was the crazy thing about it. It was done on your overall time. Um, so a little juvenile could have been up against um, an elite rider mm -hmm. who was in his prime. Um, and basically you battled it out down this track, elbow to elbow, the whole way down. Um, and it, it, kind of, it kind of made me wonder, like, why has four-man downhill racing never caught on? <laughs> I think there's a pretty simple, simple reason for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, it's mental, right? And that's got to be a good thing, yeah? So, like, four-cross. Okay, great. There's a few jumps, a few burns. Yeah, whatever. whatever. Easy peasy. Why don't we chuck in some chicanes, like, narrow sections, some bottlenecks, like, real severe bottlenecks with great big, I don't know, I want to say, like, Californian redwoods either side just to really squeeze you. Um, anyway, so yeah, it was, it was that, that race in Mulfra and, um, I remember quite honestly, um, excuse my French, shitting myself mm. on the start line as a, as a younger lad back then. We've now just put an explicit tag on this Spotify. Thanks for, uh, that's cut our readership by a little bit. Oh no. <laughs> but I did say, excuse my French. <laughs> that does um, sound pretty I, bonkers I, eh? So yeah, I mean, it was absolutely, absolutely crazy. Like an unbelievable, probably one of the... One of the most standout events I think I've ever have, I think I've ever done. Have you done and, uh, like a Mega Avalanche or anything then? So Mega Avalanche was actually my number two. Oh well, um, you, well, we'll just, come back just, to just, that. Ju just to, to intercept there, if anyone does fancy giving a quad eliminator slash four man downhill a go, you're up for head it. to the head to the Malvern Classic this summer because I know that's one of the events. Is it? Is it? It was last. Uh, it was the, the last one. So yeah, right, it looked okay. utterly terrifying, but fantastic fun yeah. to watch. Okay, so so for anyone who's kind of familiar with the Mulvans, you know, it's it's a fairly small hillside, but you know, still great fun, amazing atmosphere. Um, this pioneering event back in God knows when it was, the early two thousands, uh, giant mountain, huge, humongous mountain at Mulfra. Um yeah, bonkers, absolutely bonkers. Hmm. Um, yeah, I've got sweaty palms thinking about it. Well, I've got sweaty palms, most because I've got a wrist brace on, but. Sounds. <laughs> How about you? Well, what's your uh, let's uh, what's your most memorable? Well, so I've I've kind of got three actually. So the brief was fave slash best slash most exciting. So I'd mm. say my my favourite was probably back in two thousand and five, two thousand and six, and um, it was at Avil Ball near Dunster Castle, and it was a I think I can't remember if it was a Newton Abbott Cycle Club event or whether it was a custom bikes event. Uh, shout out to Dave Morgan and, and Don Howe for organising those excellent and very memorable races. And uh, it was it was very wet. I had a, a Mountain Cycle Shockwave 9.5 wow. to uh, any bike nerds out there. That was a fantastic bike. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was the first race I ever won. 
Um, so I was head-to-head with, with Mr. Ashley Mullane, now uh, a, a, an enduroist in the Masters mm. category. And uh, I remember being on the uplift and my hero, Andrew Titley, was, uh, of Team MB UK, was stood at one end of the uplift and someone said, oh, you know, who, who do you think is going to take it today? And he was like, oh, like Will Soph, he's one to watch. And I just remember being absolutely flabbergasted that Andrew Titley knew who I was and also had noticed my riding. So, yeah, that um, was definitely pretty cool for me. Complete interjection, Andrew Titley, currently um, landscaping my garden for me. <laughs> That's the tyre we were looking for. <laughs> Literally, he'll probably just gone home, hopefully having finished my patio. <laughs> oh, well, give him, give him a COVID-safe fist bump from me. I shall, I shall. Brilliant. So, uh, Will, I, I think uh, I, I can remember that event as well, Quite maybe not quite as specifically as you, but I definitely remember remember them and uh particularly your mountain cycle uh bike what what fork did you have on the front there the mo- mo- i think it was one of the other famous type, kind of slightly controversial forks you might have had on there at the I, front a little bit i had the first generation uh mazaki triple eight rcs uh on the front of that and um the it wasn't attached to the bike in the best way possible so i bought the frame off ebay and uh, the previous owner had done a lovely job of having it powder coated. But unfortunately, before he'd had it powder coated, he'd had it shot blasted without masking off any of the bearing surfaces. <laughs> so if you wanted to Classic. fit a headset or if you wanted to fit new swing arm bearings, you just just push them in and then, and then you're done. Oh, yeah. Don't need a bearing press. So it sounded like a drum kit coming down the hill, but I <laughs> didn't care. So Didn't seem to stop <laughs> you doing very well. <laughs> yeah, it worked all right. It was just a bit noisy. Brilliant. Brilliant. And uh, so what about you, Tom? Because, you know, I, I'm sure that as, as, as self-deprecating as you are um, saying how average you are, you're actually incredibly um, physically well-endowed. And I'll read as that's not an explicit uh, tag, despite my language earlier. Uh, Tom is an incredibly fit athlete who um, relies on the powers of um, saucy sauce, ketchup and mayonnaise to power him through any given bonk on a ride um, <laughs> I, I don't know. what have i done um i so i've never you know you guys have competed a lot like uk downhill international sort of downhill type stuff i've never then never done a race series in my life um and i've never raced downhill um, and i've only ever raced one enduro in my life but i'll maybe i'll tell you about that later on um so i i I've always used racing as an excuse to go and travel and and see new and interesting places, um, which is cool. Like you know, in this role, I've been really fortunate that um, that's facilitated a few incredible trips. Um, and also, before my time at um, MBK Bike Road, I did a couple of good ones as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've travelled, I've raced um, in Nepal. I did a five-day um, marathon race in Nepal, which is pretty good. Um, I'm going to talk about my enduro later on, but I guess like my my most recent or quite fun race that um, I really actually really enjoyed was um, a three day marathon in South Africa. Um, I went out with my good friend Nick, um, who sometimes in these podcasts I refer to my good friend and never actually say who my good friend is, but my good friend is Nick, um, and I've known him since we were born. Um, we were born about a month apart. Um, our parents got to know each other in the birthing place or like pre-birth classes and stuff um hospital hospital as they also call it <laughs> pre no pre i don't know what it's called anyway we've met basically i've known nick literally all my life um 
we ride bikes together a lot. He's a, a great guy. Um, and he's also incredibly fit and incredibly strong. Um, and this race we did in South Africa was a pairs race. So the, the time is the, the, the time that you, you have to race together. You have to finish each day's stage within two minutes of each other. Um, <clears throat> so he would sort of basically drag me along the hard bits, the climbs, the flats. Um, and then on the more technical descents, I guess I'm slightly more um, technically astute at times. So I would guide him down the descents and he would guide me up the hills. Um, and it was it was amazing. Um, we set off, we were unfortunate, we obviously, we've never raced in South Africa in a South African marathon race before. Um, and the race is quite big. So you set off, it's called Berg to Bush. Um, you set off, there's nine different waves um, and the fastest waves set off um, first. Um, and it's all based on like your South African racing points. So obviously we had none. So we set off at the back. And because I was faffing around trying to film a video for Bike Radar, um, we almost missed our last starting wave. Um, so set off literally at the back of the race. Um, so we spent the first 90K, which is the first day, basically overtaking nonstop um, because, you know, we were both relatively fit. You know, like I, I trained for it. We're both like quite, we are quite fit, I guess, in, in, in the general population terms. So we spent the day overtaking, which was quite a lot of fun. It did mean that the first ascent, which was absolutely mega off, like imagine like the Rift Valley in Ethiopia, but put it in South Africa and make it slightly smaller and put a mountain bike track down it. Um, <laughs> it would have been like an, an incredible descent. And instead it was, it was really good, but there was a lot of traffic. Um, from day one, we progressed from uh, the ninth wave up to the third wave which we were pretty happy about. Um, day two was a bit shorter, about 70, 80K. Um, and we raced through that. It was really good because everyone's a bit more closely spaced in terms of speed and stuff. Um, but we finished it high enough that in the third day, which is a final 50-odd K worth of racing, we were in the second wave. So, you know, pretty fast boy stuff. Race yeah. Wave one was like pros, basically. Wave two was like fast punters like us. Um it was so awesome. Like, you know, those like classic African scenes of like those trees where they've got like a uh, a tree, uh, um, what's the main bit of a tree? <laughs> the tree trunk goes up and then it's like got a flat bottom and it's like classic yeah. like African savannah. We were like racing yeah. through this like really early in the morning because it gets so hot there. And, the, you know, we were there in, I think it was October, so it's pretty hot in the day. So we were starting off at six, seven in the morning. The sun's coming up, like the dust is like, billowing everywhere and you've got amazing African skies you see incredible landscapes and these trees that were just like it was just visually awesome um and choking on dust and it was such a good three days and we're absolutely buzzing off the back of it um so yeah that was how, how, how did you finish uh, what was the what was the result obviously the big most important question I, I can't remember exactly where we finished I think there's about 900 teams in it and we're in somewhere around like hundredth around that sort of place but given that we literally started off in 900th um i think if we'd i think if we'd started off in like the second or third wave we'd have finished in we, like, we basically won the second wave pretty much i think we'd have been into the first wave which you know is pretty cool um yeah and you know there's no like we the organizers very kindly said do you guys want to start a bit earlier on a bit higher up and we're like, well, look, we ain't got any points. We don't want to like come in. We're like, oh yeah, we're big dogs, all that sort of stuff. Because we we had no concept of like what this crowd was going to be like. Um, the nice thing about it though was that everyone at the race was so sound. It was just good chat all the way through, just banter all the time. And because obviously, like, it was mostly South African. If they heard that we weren't South African, there's a good bit of you know like banter. Yeah, it was honestly like my take. I've, I've whittled on a long time. I'm so sorry. 
my big take on this is basically, if you're not that bothered about racing, like, and I'm not bothered about racing particularly, I, I don't like not winning. So I don't race because I never win. Um, <laughs> but racing is a really good platform to go and visit some incredible places if you're lucky enough to be able to go and do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely. It is. It's a, um, uh, a conveyance for sightseeing, I suppose, mm. like a, a vehicle for travel. Yeah, it gives you a it, good excuse. Exactly that. But um, my, yeah. so I, I think we'll do like maybe two or three races each. We should probably do them a bit quicker than the first ones. But I'll, I'll talk through one horrible race. And then I'll talk through oh, my no. favourite ever race. But no, 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 no. Let's go to you back to Al. Let's go in a round. Let's oh, go in okay. a round. Oh, okay. Yeah, Al, nice, nice. Tell yeah. us about your Equitable. next race. Well, number two was the Mega Avalanche uh, mm. back in 2016, which was my first and last Mega a Avalanche. Vintage. And I did it for Mountain Biking UK magazine. And it has to be, hands down, the hardest bit of cycle riding I have ever done in mm. my life, full stop. Like, unbelievably overwhelming both mentally and physically like nothing can quite describe um the feeling of being at the top of Alpadue at whatever it is seven in the morning with five or six hundred other riders um in my case actually all behind me um a little bit about that in a sec um and I was just like oh, I'm not cut out for this mm. this isn't me as much as I liked the four-man downhill race at Mulfra. Um, the 1,000 man. <laughs> yeah, you, you times that by a factor of over 100, and suddenly this is this is not for me anymore. <laughs> um, so basically, at the, at the Mega Avalanche, for people that don't know, you have a qualifying round um, the day before, which I think is like a race of, I don't know, maybe 200 people, something like that, and you have to finish in maybe the top 50 of your qualifier to make it to the final event on Sunday. Um, and depending on how well you finish in that qualifying round depend, uh, tells you where you line up on the start line from front to back. Um, I, f- I finished in fourth on my qualifier. Um, and I must admit, I tr- probably tried my absolute hardest I'd ever done in any race ever. Um, I even crashed. I crashed at the very start because I was so excited. Um, so qualified fourth, which meant that I was on the first row in the final. Um, and... Basically, you have to get up at the crack of dawn. You have to go up to the top of, I can't remember what the name of the, the peak is, the peak of, of the Alpadue mountain, but you go to the top, there's a cafe up there. Um, and one of the things that really resonated with me and has been seared in my memory is the long drop toilet. <laughs> now, a lot of people talk about this long drop toilet at the Mega Avalanche um, because, you know, it's Sunday race, uh, nerves, fear, the whole lot. And my gosh, you need to use this long drop toilet. Um, and there's a there's a queue, there's a queue of people. It's like everyone going to their Sunday confession. Or literally um, shitting be... themselves. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, oh, we don't need to put an explicit no, thing because we've already done a swear. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, there's a long drop toilet. Once you've um sorted yourself out um, and calmed your stomach, one shall say, politely. Um, you then kind of get filtered down to the to the start line and the first people who are starting at the front get there first and they filter it all the way back until there's five million people there behind you. Anyway, the tape lifts, you set off and suddenly there's people shooting past you. There's like snow flying everywhere. There's bikes everywhere. It's absolutely off its chops. And the year that I did it, the snow was really soft. So as soon as you get stuck in a rut of someone else, you are a passenger. Mm-hmm. So forget about trying to ride with your feet up. Forget about trying to even ride with your feet off. 
it's like insane. Like the first maybe 20 people who get off the start line, um, like are the ones who are lucky enough to be able to ride the entire glacier without having to get off and run. So basically I felt like I was going backwards on the glacier. Um, I heard people were coming past me left, right and centre. Um, and then a little bit further down, once I'd kind of sorted myself out and got a bit more relaxed, I managed to get into my group. Um, but it was also a little bit frustrating because there's a couple of pedals um, and you're breathing really hard and there's super fit people who come steaming past you on these pedally uphill sections. And you're like, oh my gosh, they're absolutely having my pants down. And then a couple of minutes later, you'll catch up with them on a downhill, but you won't be able to pass them. Mm. Um, so, you know, you're there like, oh, I'm in a race mode. I'm on a calm run, get out of my way. Uh, and then they just steam past you on the next uphill. So you might as well just not bother. Um, anyway, I finished 67th, which was it's pretty good. All right. 67th yeah, out right. of a thousand odd. That's, that's good going. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of wanted better, but that's mm. the, the you know, the true racer in me. Mm. Um, what bi- so, yeah. Uh, the, what bike were you on, Al? Uh, what's your, your uh, brief bike check? A classic. I was on the Nuke Proof Mega. No. <laughs> No why did they way. call it the Mega? I never understood why they called it the Mega. Oh, it's because they designed it for the Mega, the mega Avalanche. <laughs> no way. Genius. Yeah, so I, we did, uh, me and Ed Tomset, who's a, a previous MBUK staff member, um, we did the Mega on a Mega, both of us. Who um, came up with that headline? I know. <laughs> Who would have thought it, eh? I, I, I was the features editor at the time. and uh, <laughs> You and Rob Sherrod. <laughs> I'm not going to take any credit for it because it's terrible, but <laughs> um, yeah, amazing. Like if, if you can ever do the Mega Avalanche, mm-hmm. I would thoroughly recommend it. Um, but it's going to be like an overwhelming um, experience. Uh, you might even want to do it again someday. I certainly don't, mm-hmm. but maybe, maybe, maybe you would, dear listener. Call them. Um, so yeah, that, that's my that's my two. Go on, Will. Go on, Will. Okay. Uh, so number two for me was in terms of results, definitely not really like a highlight, but I think it's probably the race that I learned most from. So this was the World Cup at Montsanan in 2014. Now, for World Cups, you have to have a certain amount of UCI points in order to be allowed to go and do something as auspicious as a World Cup which I didn't have. So I went as part of the UK national team and it was completely overwhelming. I mean, this is a track that is steeped in World Cup downhill history. I was there with all my heroes um, and yeah, it was little Will So from Devon trying to ride a full-on mountain piste at, oh my gosh, however fast it is. And uh, yeah, I was, I was well out of my depth. Bike setup was not, strong i've learned a lot about bike setup over the the last seven years since then um but yeah in terms of things i learned from it and took away it was amazing um i think if i had one piece of advice to give myself it would be just just ride it don't think about the fact that you're doing a world cup qualifier um because once that gets in your head i think it's easy to let the nerves get the better of you Mm -hmm. um so that year it was particularly wet and muddy and Montsanan being quite coastal, uh, it, it can get quite a bit of rain. The course can get really chopped up. So you have this weird scenario where you've got incredibly fast piste, uh, which is really foggy. So you can't really see where you're going and you're trying to go as fast as you can. Then you head into some quite tight, techy woods, which is rocky, rooty, and has big mud ruts in. So it's a really difficult track to ride. And I mean, hats off to the top guys. It is a 
and girls, it is a seriously hard piece of terrain to conquer. And uh, yeah, in my qualifying run, uh, I popped out of the iconic Monsanan start gate and uh, started making mistakes straight away. And then the middle woods, I went into like, I guess like a bog really. It wasn't like super deep, but I, I broke my toe in there and I remember thinking, oh wow, that really hurt. And I'm like, if it really hurts now in the middle of a, a World Cup qualifier, it's going to really hurt when you get to the bottom. So yeah, I spent the week after that limping around airports very slowly. Um, and then, yeah, I got to the bottom and finished 90th. So I didn't actually qualify, which mm. is, you know, frustrating when you go halfway around the world. And uh, I remember uh, Ollie Morris of, of Pro Ride, he finished 80th. So he, he just managed to qualify. So I was really pleased that uh, a, a Brit was able to, or a Brit, of you know not not one of the, the top guys Brit. in the world not a factory brit was able to to qualify even if i couldn't so yeah it was great to be able to be there and, and to watch and to soak up the atmosphere and to have that as an experience so yeah that was definitely a memorable one for me uh, will's basically just described every reason why i quit racing <laughs> um, disappointing not qualifying bone breaking bog riding crashing foggy um <laughs> traveling around airports injured and traveling to the other side of the world to do the square root of uh, uh nothing uh, results wise that is um so yeah well done will you just reinforced the uh, the lifelong ambition to never race a mountain bike again with your story but hey going to mount st anne that's incredible doing it for a world cup even more incredible mm. Um, and just think, our dear Bike Radar podcast listeners, you, you know, you, you're listening to, to Will here, who's got, well, you actually listen to me right now, but you, you were <laughs> listening to Will before I chipped in. Um, massive amount of experience, racing experience, bike experience. Um, you know, you, maybe you've got some little little nuggets to, to teach people. Maybe there's some little nugs in there. I don't know. Well, um, we'll get ourselves a little uh, Will's podcast series. Uh, where Will spills the beans on how to become a World yeah. Cup downhill racer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Will's nice. To be fair, actually, without sort of blowing um, Bike Radar's trumpet, certainly I'm not involved in this chat, but there's a few others in the team who have uh, who've raced a few World Cups. We're not um, we're not yeah, all punters like me. Al, Al, Al probably chief among them there as well. Al? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but, well, yeah, a couple, but um, Luke very, and very poorly. So there's, there's yeah, four Rob, on the team. Luke. Yeah. Yeah, that's a strong ratio, isn't it? Because there's only five of us. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's not rub it in. Go on then, Tom. What's your, uh, what's your, uh, what's your next My number race? two. This is a race that I keep going back to. And every time I go back to this race, I tell myself I am never doing this race again because it is horrible. It's the Strathpuffer. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so to the uninitiated, because basically if you've done it, you are then initiated. The Strathpeffer is a 24-hour race in um, Strathpeffer, which is not the southeast, east of Inverness, fairly north of Scotland, which, you know, sounds idyllic if a bit midgy, if it was in the summer, but it's in January, um, which basically means 18 hours of darkness Anything from very cold and wet rain to deep snow, um, always freezing temperatures, apart from once when I did it, when it wasn't freezing, and that was even worse. Um, so I, I'm, uh, I'll tell you a bit of a backstory. 
it's a little bit sad. I'm sorry. I have a, a my university. I had a very very good friend uh, called Chris. Uh, he was a, like one of the best mountain bikers I've ever met. He didn't race pro or anything, but he was just like just an incredible guy. Um, and sadly, he and a few people he, he raced um, Strathbutter a few times. And sadly, he and a couple of other my friends died in an avalanche, um, roughly around the time that the Strathbutter takes place every year. Uh, and so as sort of like a in memory kind of thing, there's a, a group of us who go back to the Strathpuffer most years um, in some form or another. I've, I've pit bitched a few times. I've also raced it three or four times to do it sort of in, in Chris's memory because it's the sort of thing that he would do and he would do very well at. Um, unfortunately for me, the people I do it with all tend to be quite fast. So um, it's the only time I've ever podiumed in a race. And we do it as a quad, um, which... 24-hour racing is funny, right? If you do it solo, you're pretty nuts because you've got to ride a bike for 24 hours solo. And even in nice conditions, I've done it before, it's horrible, okay? Yeah. Doing it in a quad, you've got three teammates, right? So you get, like, you do a lap, or you might do double laps in the middle of the night, but you do a lap, but then you've got three laps worth of time off. So you cool down, you get a bit of food in you, chill out, sit around a fire because it's so cold, um, or sit in a tent because it's raining, probably. And then you go out and do another lap. Actually, it's 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 all right, but if you're in a fast quad, there's a lot of pressure because all your mates are fast, so you've got to like put a lot of effort in. Um, the worst way to do, I did it once. I didn't do the puffer as a pair, but the worst way to do a twenty-four race is as a pair because not only do you have the pressure of your race partner being out there and, and doing their thing, um, but also you you finish your lap, you cool down, you eat, and then instantly you've got to go out again because the lap's only 45 minutes or something like that. So it's, it's a horrible way to do it. Anyway, so I go back to this puff every now and again. Um, when it's really, really cold, it's actually pretty good because the ground's rock solid or it's snowy, um, and it's actually quite nice. The worst ones is a wet puffer, and they are the thing of legend. You know, you, you, you'll go through a pad, a set of brake pads in a lap, no, no doubt about it. They are so savage on the bike and they're horrible you're never dry you're never warm you're never comfortable um and it takes 24 hours to finish plus a lap because obviously they let you do the last lap i did um my my one you know the only anecdote i'll tell from this is i uh i was there a couple of years ago and i was doing in a, in a quad and my friend luke was there who's a good friend of mine and in the middle of the night, what we tend to do is, you, in the day hours, you do a lap, come off three laps, do a lap, come off three laps, and you do that for the first eight or 12 hours of the race. And then we go into doubles. So I do two laps, Luke do two laps, I do two laps, Luke could do two laps, and then the other two people in the team do the same. So you get actually like an eight-lap block, which is probably about six hours, and that takes you pretty much towards the end of the race, and you might do one extra race. Anyway, so I'm there. There's like a changeover tent, and... Uh, Luke has gone out, he's on his second lap, so I'm about to go out next, and I'm like sat there waiting and waiting out the front of the thing, but I was like, oh, well, I'll go around the back of like the table, because that's actually where you need, no, no, I was at the back, so just hanging out in like this heated area a little bit, and I was like, oh, Luke's going to come in soon, so I'll go around the front, and in the time it took for me to go around the side of the tent, out to the front, Luke had come in, gone, Tom, Tom, Tom! oh god where's tom and then set off on a third lap because i wasn't there and i, I sort of like sauntered around sat down and waited i'm like oh man luke's taking a while god I hope he's all right and then god luke is taking a long time like he should have been in 10 minutes oh, god he should have been in 20 minutes oh god i hope luke's all right you know and then luke's coming oh like luke you're right. you absolute i'm like what 
He's like, you weren't there. And I was like, I'd be there for hours. I've been waiting and waiting. Anyway, it transports would got over our little um, confrontation in the tent. And I said to the woman who was there, I've been here for ages. She's like, you've been here for ages. Anyway, we worked at all that. Which then just meant I had to go and do three laps because that's how equality works. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was so horrible. So that's why I never want to go back, and which is why inevitably next year I'll go back. So if you want to hurt yourself on a bike and go somewhere very unpleasant, the Strathpuffer really is one of those. Like it is, it's often you know Red Bull. They often do like listicles of like the top ten most gnarly races, and it's things like the um, Meg Avalanche and, and XYZ. But the Puffer is quite often in those in those races too. Yeah, because I, I think uh, I, maybe for twenty twenty one, it it might even. Uh, hang on, no. Uh, when you said it was November, uh, it's in January. January yeah. So it was okay, cancelled so this, this year. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's next year. It was cancelled this year, and it's cancelled last the year before. Twenty twenty and twenty twenty one were cancelled. Twenty twenty two should be back. Twenty nineteen, interestingly, um, Ed Thompson of the um, Meg Avalanche fame yes. and his friend Ben Cannell um, did it as a pair, um, and they won the pairs. Um, and I think. Uh, Ben Cannell got fastest lap of the day as well. well and I, I was going to say, for them. isn't quite a lot of that thanks to Ben. So, um, <laughs> another I hope Ed's not listening. Story. <laughs> well, yeah, well, uh, sorry, Ed, but it's true, isn't it? Um, I, I, I'm, I feel quite fit at the moment, right? Yeah, I, you look I feel great. Quite fit. You look I'm, great. I'm, yeah. I'm riding quite a lot. Uh, Ben's currently visiting in Scotland, uh, visiting another mutual friend, and we went riding at the weekend. Um, and suddenly I don't think I want to ride bikes anymore. He absolutely Animal. ripped my legs off. Animal. He, he's a machine. He's yeah. the nicest human mm. being on the planet, but also uh, completely, unbelievably, yeah. ridiculously, insanely fit. Mm. So um, Ben should probably try and do a solo strap. Solo puffer, yeah. Or like a super fast. It. There's a team that rock up pretty much every year, and they pretty much always win the quads. And there's a guy who rocks up and does a solo who pretty much wins it solo every year. Um, but as I say, like I've done, I've done three or four. I've done a sixth. I've done fifth, and I've come second, which I think is all right. It's all right. Uh, are your are they podiums by proxy, or are they actual your podiums? Like, are they kind of? I mean, you know, the team. The team was on the podium, and I'm part of. There's no I in team. I yeah. cannot take any credit <laughs> when we were doing it. Like, <laughs> literally, like my teammates would be overtaking people on the course, and usually, you know, like you do. But, um, yeah, I'd be the one coming back saying, oh, "I only got, I only got overtaken twice," and they would be like working it out, and you're like, oh, "That, that was our first, or that was our second, or whatever." It's like, oh, shit, it's always me. Anyway. Let's let's rattle through our final races before everyone gets bored and jumps off a uh, gets bored of listening to us. Ed, Al. Well, I, I I only had two. I mean, I can talk. Oh. I can talk for days about stuff. So I don't know. What do you want to do? I can talk about my final ever race. That I Tell ever us did. very it's quickly about your final ever race. Okay, so it was my final ever downhill race. It was in 2012, um, and I was on the hunt for those UCI points, as as Will said earlier about. Um, about World Cups, you need 80, uh, 20 UCI points back then to race in a World Cup. Um, I had something like 15. Um, it was a race in um, um, Morjan, which is in Switzerland, inside the Port de Soleil. Uh, I was living in Morzine at the time, so it was a local track, near the track, really comfortable, uh, brilliant, um, lovely dry weekend. All my mates were there. My bike was running mid. Everything was perfect. Qualified fifth out of everyone. Um and I think, you know, I only needed five points. And I think first place gets 20 and 10th place got one point back then. So I think I had to be like 
seventh or above, I think it is. So I was very happy with my fifth uh, qualifying qualifying place, seeing as I didn't really try that hard. Race day, I was like, oh, weather's looking a bit dodgy. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, and as the day got on, the, the big mountainous storms loomed in the distance in the Don the du Midi, which are just looking just looking over the back of Morjan there. And the clouds were building and it was building and there were racers were riding and racers were riding and people were getting times still not beating Saturday's qualifying, I might add. Um, and then it got to the top 10 riders and I was at the top and I'd eaten my banana and drunk my little can of Coke. Um, 45 minutes before my run, which was my little routine. Um, and I was just doing some little cutties at the top, just practicing, and it started raining with 10 riders to go. But it didn't just start raining like you're in Bristol or, I don't know, um, somewhere like it's probably not going to rain that much. Um, it started raining like it was in the Alps or maybe the Bible. I was going to say um, biblical. Yes, yes, like, like in the Bible. And at this point, I was like, oh, right, that sucks. And I was thinking, well, Danny Hart did it in, uh, what was it, Sean 2010? Perry, yeah. yeah, was it 2010? Yeah, 2011, it was. wasn't it? Oh, was it? Okay, so terrible, terrible. That's fine. No, yeah, no, very good. And Sam Hill as well did an amazing run that there, one of the other Sean Perry races. Mm-hmm. I can't remember when that was either, but um, I was like, yeah, just, just be like Danny. Just be like Sam. You'll be fine. So I was the fifth to last person down in the start gate. The track was wet. I'd say it was very <laughs> wet. It was a river at this point. I was like, well, when it's a river, it can be gritty, <laughs> can't it? Yes, we all know this. I was like, just ride it like it's dry. Just ride it like it's dry. You're a good person. Well done. Very good. First corner, crashed. Oh. <laughs> Second corner, crashed. Third corner, crashed. Fourth corner, gave up. Oh, and uh, that was it. That was it. That was the um, straw that broke the camel's back. A bit like, and I've um, not raced. Oh. Not raced a downhill. Not raced a downhill race since, just because I'm not just not interested. A bit like um, Lords 2017. When it started, yes, yeah. I was yes. there under an umbrella, Tom not racing. Cause... No, you were reporting. I think you can actually see some bike checks from that event <laughs> on uh, BikeRadar.com. There you go. Um, was it Coulange yeah. who won that? Because he came down super early. I can't early. remember. Anyway, there yeah. you go. But yeah, that that happened. So yes, yeah, some dude who qualified like fiftieth won the race, got his twenty UCI points. And um, hmm. made me cry. Uh, I drove home <laughs> and uh, never, yes. never raced again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was the end of my uh, end of my racing career. <laughs> Has any races ended your career, Will? Or is uh, your career still ongoing? Oh gosh, I don't know. It, it petered out with a you know. It, it's, it's better to go out of a bang, not a whimper. My racing career's ending with a whimper, but I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm really enjoying mm. it, and I'm definitely planning to do as much racing as I possibly can because I, I do love it. Even mm. though we've talked about a few lows and Al's had a few lows there, so yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely keen to carry on racing as long as I can. I really love it. Nice. So my third race uh, is. Probably one of the ones I'd say was most exciting for me, but I'd also argue it's one of the most exciting racing formats. Perhaps not as exciting as a four-man downhill eliminator, but I think it's perhaps exciting in a different way. Uh, so it's the Fort William Endurance Downhill run by No Fuss Events, and this was the tw- oh, yeah. Wicked, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2017 race. So nice. for the for the uninitiated, it is a six-hour downhill race with the, the ski lift and uplift at, at Fort William, down basically the World Cup track, perhaps with a, a few bits 
sanitized for people's safety, but basically the World Cup downhill track. And yeah, you do as many runs as you can do in six hours. So I there's two categories. There's a downhill bike category and a trail bike category. And I didn't have a downhill bike, so I wanted to enter the trail bike category. And um, I had a bit of a special bike. So it was a 29er downhill bike. Sorry, 29er trail bike with 130mm travel, but it had a, a longer stroke shock on it to bring it up to about 160 on the back. And then it had a bit of a Frankenstein Fox 36 fork, which had about 170mm travel. Uh, it had Procore front and rear, so inflatable inserts in the tyres and super gravity tyres. So it was about as hardcore as you can go with a trail bike, really. Um, what what uh, what make and model was the uh, was the frame? Uh, uh, well, I, I'm not going to say because uh, the rest of the story doesn't perhaps end very well for, <laughs> okay. for, for my my, <laughs> okay. my poor souped up bicycle. Um, so the the race starts with a pedal up to I think somewhere below the deer gate, and so it's a mass start, but. It's a bit anticlimactic to have a mass start and then people just get in the ski lift. So you you pedal up. It's it's very because it's it's up the fire road, isn't it? Which is like quite a nice. It's it's a fairly winding fire road to to that point, isn't it? Yeah. Below the deer gate, there, it's quite nice. Yeah. And it's it's it's, it's, it's near the wall ride, isn't it? Near the the big. That's it. In the woods. The yeah. big visit Scotland wall ride. Yeah. So you you go yeah. up there. It's not too rough, um, and it is yeah quite a nice gradient if you're not racing a bunch of other other uh, crazy mountain bikers as well. So I was pretty keen as I was on a trail bike and I got, you know, all right sprint fitness. I was like, I want to be fastest off the start. I want to be first in that gondola. So I'm sprinting up this fire road for all I'm worth. Um, And I'm overtaking people and I'm kind of in the lead. And it's a Le Mans start. You've got to run to your bike. So I ran to my bike, placed myself well. I'm in the lead. I'm thinking, this is great. Some absolute hero on a specialised demo, full downhill bike, just sprinted past me. <laughs> so I guess he definitely had his, his iron brew and his deep fried pizza that morning because, yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> impressive. Uh, so then we went down. And as we were going down towards the, the gondola, he had a flat. So I was like, great, I'm in the lead. This is brilliant. Got in the gondola, went up having a drink, having some food, because obviously this is your rest time in the gondola on the way to the top. And uh, yeah, I busted out some pretty good laps. Um, you then end up catching people up. So you've got to ride your fastest down a World Cup track whilst not using too much energy and not breaking your bike and also overtaking people who you're you're essentially lapping. Uh, so it's really exciting. Um, and then, yeah, unfortunately, I think it was about lap three or four, I thought, oh, that's that's a bit odd. I'm sat in the gondola. I'm looking at my bike. I'm going, oh, one of the, one of the cable guides has come out. That's very strange. And I'm looking a bit closer. I'm like, that's a, that's a funny thing that's happened to the paint there. And I realised that my my poor bike, which was massively over-forked, over-wheeled and over-shocked, had actually, actually cracked all the way around the down tube. So I was very lucky to go home from that race with all of my mm. front teeth and not in a in a hospital so yeah there there for the for the grace of god i managed to actually spot that my my bike had broken before it broke on track which could have been horrendous mm. so so w- w- when you when you started saying about this event one of my questions was going to be what's the most prohibiting factor is it your body or bike which is going to break first 
and I think I think that answers the question quite quite well there. <laughs> well, that that makes me sound like some kind of super athlete, which I'm definitely <laughs> not. Um, I think it depends who you are. I think there's probably some really really fit guys out there who who would quite happily bust out runs of four William for six hours. But yeah, for me, my forearms were pumping up. I could feel myself getting slower and slower. The elbows started drooping, and oh, really? uh, yeah, I was getting really tired. So. Yeah, I don't know how, how much further my body would have gone, but the bike gave up first in that case. Blimey, Brilliant. Yeah. How long did it take to get a lap done? Oh, gosh. Well, the, the ski lift's pretty fast in Fort William, mm. uh, and it's quite direct from the ski lift to the top and from the bottom to the ski lift. So I can't exactly remember. I'm, I'm sure there's uh, information online on, on routes and rain or whatever. I, th- I think it's on, on my Strava, actually, so... Yeah, if anyone's nerdy enough to want to have a look how long a lap takes, uh, the information is out there, but I'm not quite sure, to be honest. Will, Will just uh, just plugging his uh, social media um, personality there. So, yeah, it's just on my Strava, guys. Just uh, check out my comms whilst you're there. Just a little flex. Yeah, it's, it's actually very disappointing. Yeah, I'm sure there's people Everesting and doing hundreds of miles, and I think my last Strava ride was probably about 2019. So, so a bit, bit of a bit of a, a damp squib of a plug. Brilliant. Go on then, Tom. Let's hear it. All right, my What's your um, number three. My favourite ever race. I think this probably qualifies as my favourite ever race. It was um so I've raced marathon races quite a lot. Um oh, the one I wasn't uh, I don't we ain't got time to go through all the interesting races I've done. I did a fat bike race in um Finland in Rovaniemi called the Rovaniemi one fifty. Oh, wow. 150k fat bike race in February in the Arctic Circle. Um Wow. Which is it's, it's a cool it's really it was good. It was hard. Like it took do you say it was cool? Hours. I like that. That's oh. a good pun. <laughs> nice. Um, took me 16 hours. I came mid-table. Pretty happy with that. But it's not my favourite ever race. But it's another good travel race. Um, my favourite race. So I've done marathon races. I've done cross-country races. Raced a lot of like cross-country stuff to a low level. Um, but I've only ever done one enduro. Uh, and everyone seems to race enduro because it's the in thing to do. But So I go back to my aforementioned thing of not liking to lose. Um, and therefore not really racing because I never win. Um and also enduro, I find enduro quite um, troubling for me because, like, I really like riding like fast and techy on big bikes and stuff, but I'm just terrified a lot of the time. So, anyway, me and enduro didn't really mix. But um, I've got a friend of mine, um, Sam, who uh, lives out in France. He's a guide at a place called BikeVillageHolidays.co.uk. BikeVillage.co.uk. Great place to go on holiday. But me and him, we've known each other for a long time. We try and do silly adventures every now and again. Um, and we were looking at doing an enduro um, outside of the alpine guarding season. And we looked at things like the Trans Madeira, but it's quite expensive and the dates didn't quite work. And just jibbing around, trying to find something interesting to go and do. Anyway, I came across um, something called the the Kingdom Enduro, which was an EWS qualifying race in Lesotho, uh, which is in Africa. And it's like a little landlocked country surrounded by South Africa. It's a little kingdom high in the mountains. I think the lowest point of the country is 1,400 metres. Um, and the race is set up by this guy uh, called, this guy called Rene. Um, and he's, this, he's a pretty mad guy. Lives in Malini in Italy and builds like amazing tracks out there. He's got a Rad Rides MTB is his guiding company and holiday company. And they're just sublime. Anyway, he spends a, quite a bit of time in the Soto. Um, him and his brother sculpting tracks with the help of local people who they employ 
um, and, you know, really sort of promote the area. Um, and it's all based out of this place called Roma, which is the second town of Lesotho. Um, and in Roma, there's actually a Velo Solutions pump truck because they've built like a little community project around there. And the race is based out of there. It's basically a, a three-day EWS qualifying race. And I don't know how they build the tracks, but boy, oh boy, they are next level. So good. Like not big jumps or anything silly like that. Like, you know, not like that, but just beautifully crafted through this like dirt that's like almost like volcanic loam. It's just, it's beautiful. And you just come across these just insane like rock features on like cliffs and the the landscape's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. It's such a beautiful, it's a beautiful place to go. Um, anyway, so myself and Sam headed out there um, to go and do the race. We had a couple of days practice. We had a day's rest where we just mooched about. Um, we flew into Johannesburg and then um, drove down actually with Mick Kirkman, who's one of the photographers and one of our freelancers, because um, he photographs the race. We had loads of mad adventures, but it was hilarious, but also just so eye-opening. Um, yeah, it's my only ever Enduro race. Um, I just can't put it into words. It was just such an experience. Um, one of the sort of things that really sort of like, I, I like a big day on a bike, um, but this Rene guy, basically, he, it was the second time he'd run the race. And apparently um, he'd built the previous year's course um, and then the next year he wanted to like improve it and, and grow it and stuff. And, you know, the, 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 the tracks would start somewhere on the mountain and apparently he'd just be like, oh, we'll just start from the top instead. Um, and I think it was 15, 15 stages or something. Every single stage you had to hike a bike to. There was no, it was so savage. <laughs> like, it, like there was no, you couldn't pedal to the start of, of any of the tracks. Like it was literally just, you had to hike pretty much everything. It was such a brutal few days, um, but unbelievable. Um, you know, there was all the usual things, mechanicals, all sorts of stuff. I think I blew a, I blew a, derail, a jockey wheel on, on one of the stages. Um, so I had to single speed my bike when I got to the bottom of the stage for a two hour liaison to the next stage. Just things like that. It was just like, it was so good. There is a video on YouTube, on Bike Radar's YouTube channel, um, in which I go through a range of different accents, weirdly. Because it turns out when I'm racing hard and I'm trying to speak on camera, I go through everything like Mancunian, Yorkshire, which is where I'm from, posh, because I'm actually slightly posh. Like, it, it sounds a bit weird, so I do apologise. But hopefully, like, and it all finished on the final stage down this insane track down to uh, the Roma Trading Lodge in another absolutely biblical like hail rain thunder lightning storm it was just so intense oh man it was good wow wow there you yeah, go i mean looking at you describe that and you know hearing you it's obviously really quite made a, a, a massive it, impression it made an impression yeah it was it was brilliant um i'm not gonna like become an enduro racer i've got no interest in that but um myself and sam are looking when covid passes hopefully 2022 there's um a qualifier in Transierra Norte, I think it's called. Um, it's a, an enduro in Mexico, um, which we're planning mm -hmm. on going doing. So that'll hopefully be, I've got the UK marathon champs in a couple of weeks, but after that, my next race will be that, I think. Cool, wow. Hey, uh, just got me thinking, uh, wasn't there another story related to Africa where someone uh, stole something from you? Um, uh, uh, what was it that you dropped on the track or something oh. and then the lady had it? Yes. Was that this race? <laughs> it was, yeah. I had yeah. um, I had my one-up pump. Um, that was the, yeah, the one-up yeah. pump when we were talking about our things that we cannot not live with yeah. or whatever it was. I yeah. had a one-up pump in like the, so there's like a bottle cage like mount for it and you had like a little rubber 
stopper. And obviously, because I was hiking a bike, it was it was in just like the wrong place for hike a bike. And over the course of um, a hike a bike, I think the rubber strap had died. So I set off down this uh, down a, a, a stage, quite a long one, and right at the top unbeknownst to me my pump fell out of the thing so I carried on riding blah, 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 blah. got to the bottom and I was like oh no my, my pump's gone it's my tool kit because it it's like got an integrated tool into it so that was basically my tool and pump um, and tubeless repair it's like oh damn it and a chain repair and all sorts yeah nightmare anyway I then sort of asked like to people to um radio up to the people at the top and please you know if someone sees this on the way down like the course like sweepers if they could pick it up that'd be great so i uh, got to the bottom uh, carried on the rest of the day um got that was a day actually my my uh, mech blew up um but you know so it was a bit of a nightmare anyway got to the end of the day there's like a big dinner every night where they hosted all the food and the guy who's organized stood up and is like oh we've we've got this pump and this woman, she's like, oh, yeah, that's mine, that's mine. And, like, you know, she's, she's a bit pissed, I think. She's been drinking. <laughs> South African, she wasn't even racing, I don't think. She's, oh, yeah, thanks very much. And I was like, uh, uh, I'm really sorry. I think I think that's actually mine. I'm really sorry. Was it picked up on stage two? And the guy's like, yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm really sorry. Like, And she's like, uh, I thought I'd get away with it. I was like, yeah. I was like, Cheeky. <laughs> anyway, I got it back, and I'm glad I did because I've still got it. Still use it every ride. But yeah. And without that pump, we wouldn't have been able to record a podcast the other day um, about segway. our ride essentials. What a segue! Se- yeah. Search for that on your preferred podcast. Hey, I provider. think we've um, we've been banging on now for 56 minutes. So should we should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Thank you ever so much for for listening. Well done for getting now 57 minutes or so through another Bike Radar podcast. We really appreciate you listening. Um, Hopefully you've subscribed. And if you haven't, please do subscribe because it helps everyone. It means you get them beamed straight to your phone um, every Monday and some Fridays as well. And it means that we look even better to those who are our bosses. Um, So please do so. And if you know anyone who might enjoy the podcast, please share it with them. But thank you very much, Alex. And thank you very much, Will. And well, yeah, we'll be back next monday with another podcast thank you for listening to the bike radar podcast if you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling check out bikeradar.com bye